truck and load. This is Steve Dace. The Steve Dace Show. Greetings, Earthlings. Welcome to today's Steve Dace Show here, live and on demand on Blaze TV, radio and podcast. I'm Steve Dace, Aaron McIntyre. Todd Erzin is here. Our old friend Shannon Joy, New York talk show host, has returned. We'll hear more from her in a moment as we get the Dace Group underway here shortly. 888-900-3393 is the number. 888-900-3393. That's the number to the blaze. You can also contact us via the stevedace.com inbox. You can do that via email, steve at stevedace.com. That's D-E-A-C-E. Like us on Facebook. Follow us on Twitter at Steve Dace Show. We'll be getting to some of your feedback that you've sent us recently coming up in the next hour of the program here on a Feedback Friday. So make sure you are tuned in for that. But before we get to Feedback Friday, it is time for the Dace Group. Your weekly look at the week that was begins with the tradition unlike any other. Bleep Democrats say. Is surveyed a situation and understood that with this action, with this strike, that he would create a giant smokescreen that clouds and distracts around the issue of impeachment. You know, when some people die, we, you know... Um, you don't know what the impact's going to be. When Princess Diana died, for example, there was a huge emotional outpouring. Uh, these kinds of, Elvis Presley in our culture. It turns out that this general he killed was a beloved hero of the Iranian people to the point where look at the people we've got pictures of now. These enormous crowds coming out. There's no American emotion in this case, but there's a hell of a lot of emotion on the other side. He was a war hero, the commander of Iran's feared Quds Force. Qasem Soleimani was no ordinary general. The U.S. officially classified him as a terrorist, but in Iran, he was a national hero. I feel ill a little bit um, because of, of everything that is taking place. And I think every time I hear, about com- I hear of conversations around war, I find my, myself um, being stricken with uh, PTSD. Good morning, Robin. I have been in the midst of anti-American protests in Iran before, but nothing like this. A powerful combination of grief and anger with shouts of death to America echoing through the streets around us. He's regarded as personally incredibly brave. The troops love him. I was trying to think of somebody, and I was thinking of de Gaulle. A revered figure in Iran and some other places in the Middle East. Smart, charismatic, ruthless, strategic, and bold. His power made Iranians proud. Russia has been implicated under Putin with assassinating dissidents. So once you're in the business of assassination, you unleash some very, very terrible forces. Soleimani was in charge of spreading Iranian influence around the world, and he was extremely good at it. He is the, think of the French Foreign Legion, if you will. By killing Qasem Soleimani, the U.S. has stripped Iran of an inspirational military leader. President Trump recklessly assassinated Qasem Soleimani. He had no evidence of an imminent threat or attack. And as girls, Things can happen to our bodies that are not our choice. And I wouldn't have been able to do this without employing a woman's right to choose. 
But the people who wrote the Constitution did not understand that slavery was a bad thing and did not respect civil rights. There's two ways people know when something is important. One, when it's so clear when it's passed that everybody understands it, and no one did understand Obamacare, including the way it was rolled out and the gentleman's right, he said you could keep your doctor if you wanted to and you couldn't keep your doctor if you wanted to necessarily. He's dead right about that. I have, unfortunately, uh, responsibilities to save our country. Wow. It's week one. Week one. Week one. First question. Your favorite ride on the crazy train this week? Shannon, you get to go first. Go ahead. Ladies first. I think I have to go with the Princess Diana, Elvis Presley, and Soleimani, right? So here we are. The left is so desperate to diminish any of these this president's accomplishments. They are such knee-jerk reactionaries to everything that he does that they just let loose and liken a terrorist of a, a nuclear hostile regime like like Iran, it's Soleimani, and liken him to Princess Diana and Elvis Presley. So I'm going to go with that one. How about de Gaulle? For those of our, in our audience who don't know about uh, your history, uh, basically saved France in World War II, saved what was left of French culture uh, after uh, Hitler conquered France in, in 1940 uh, and then rebuilt the country after World War II. Uh, essentially, he's the, he's the, he's the steward of, of French culture in the 20th century. Basically, he saved it. Uh, he's, 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 he's even more than their Eisenhower. I mean, he was all of those things. You know, Eisenhower was a great general and a, a renowned politician at separate phases. De Gaulle kind of held those positions to the people of France simultaneously. And that is that is the comparison, Todd, to Salami over there that we chopped up there in Iran. Of that, course it that, is. I, I, I see. I, I don't watch this stuff. And, and maybe that's why I overreact, because to some of you who do follow it, because I'm seeing a lot of these clips for the first time. And we gave up last year for Lent permanently monitoring and fact-checking uh, hostile media uh, from the uh, left America. So I'm, unless I see it in my Twitter feed, a lot of the stuff that, Aaron, you put in there, I'm seeing for the first time. Like, I, I had not seen Anderson Cooper comparing Salami to De Gaulle until just now. I, I I just I I I can't argue with that. I mean that that's a level of dumb. That's I, that's the crowd outside you know, of that's the mob yeah. outside of Lot's house. I can't argue with that. It, it as as far as not arguing, not being able to argue. I mean this is this is my wife went to go get her driver's license at the courthouse, and the person who was responsible for typing her information in there tried to convince her that. The, the I, the uppercase I in my last name and our last name is actually an L and the lowercase L in her middle name is actually an I. And it's just like, I, I can't, I can't help you. I have no, <laughs> I have no way to communicate with you when we cannot even, we can't even agree on what a terrorist is. I mean, it is, it is striking. We, we, we used to be, you know, America, you know, we can all, you know, we have our own dis differences. 
you want to do crowd outside Lot's house, you know, that's the direction you want to do. We want to go back to whatever, you know, we want to conserve whatever's left of American exceptionalism, but at least we can agree that Soleimani, Sir Soleimani, uh, is actually a bad guy for the Iranians. I'm, it, but we can't even agree on that anymore. And you know what? I really, some of this, some of this is just, I, I believe, some of this is, is truly just um, people just hate America and they have an. That's agenda. a lot of it, actually. But I believe. I, I, yeah, I think some of it though is just straight up partisanship. I think people are. I, I really do believe this. Some people are ticked off that President Trump got one more big bad than President Obama did. I think that's. I think partisanship is is driving some of this as well. I think people are just Here, pissed, pissed off at a petty level. Like that, that 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 is some of it. But Shannon and Todd and I are old enough, as are many of you in this audience now, to live through the '80s, and. We saw some of this in the Reagan years where Ted Kennedy wanted to go meet with Daniel Ortega to get the other side of the, of the story with the Sandinistas. Uh, the, the current mayor of New York City was literally a Sandinista. He belonged to an organization of Sandinistas back in these days. Um, they, they would go and, 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 and try to get interviews with the Soviet leadership and get the other side of the story. We, we lived through that, and we just called that flat-out partisan bias and stuff back in the day. Here's what, what run-of-the-mill partisanship does. Run-of-the-mill partisanship is like what you're watching with this fake impeachment thing, right? where each side is just running back the arguments the other side gave 20 years ago when we did this in the Clinton years, okay? And it's all the same talking points that Democrats use then, Republicans use now, and all the same talking points Republicans use then, Democrats use now. Now, we can all debate whether those situations are, whether or not a 27-minute phone call to Ukraine that one witness in front of Congress actually was on rises to the level of, of, a, of a sitting president lying under oath and committing perjury. That, that's, I'm not arguing the, the, that, there's a, that the situations are morally um, you know, relative to each other. We can argue that. People can disagree on that. I'm just talking about strictly the political process. Partisanship is we're just running back each other's arguments, the, the typical tribalism. Partisanship would be a bunch of Democrats who now didn't care that Barack Obama didn't seek you know, congressional approval and due process to, uh, to take out uh, Osama bin Laden. Now we're suddenly mad that Donald Trump did, and a bunch of Republicans that were trying to steal Barack Obama's accomplishment back then were like, well, where's the, uh, you know, the declaration of war? That's what partisanship is. When, when you're fawning over this individual, that's not... That's not partisan. Because here's, here's the other thing partisanship does. Partisanship, partisanship takes the comments that Mike Lee and Rand Paul and some other people on the right are making right now and uses them. To, you, go, you go to that same case and, and see even Rand Paul agrees that we should have. That's, that's what partisanship does. This is something I think deeper. We're, 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 we are fawning over. Um, these people are fawning over this fiend. They're, they're elevating him to a position of stature. They're elevating Iran to a position of stature. And that's because your binary choice in your mind is you hate America. And the reason you hate America is this goes with the, this is the decision, guys, they made after the last election. We've talked about this before. 
They spent about 48 hours maximum contemplating self-awareness. How in the world we tried to get this con man, the Republican nomination, thinking there's no way he could lose, we could lose to this guy, and then he beat us. How did this happen? What, what are we misreading in the culture? They spent about 48 minutes booking guys like me on their shows and calling me to try to figure out what they got wrong and having Selena Zito go throughout Pennsylvania to write articles for the New York Post. They did that for about 48 hours. And then they got together and said, what, what the hell are we thinking we're the problem for? The ground is bad. The people are bad. America's bad. That's the problem. And so anything that is viewed as a Trump victory on a, on a foreign theater is further, it, it, because, it's a further evidence that America's bad because America elected this guy president and therefore America's bad and anything he does on the national stage is bad. That's, this is really about a hatred of America. We are transcending normal partisanship. Partisanship, you'll be tribalistic, but you'll do it better. You'll think clearly. When, you're, when, when your oppos- opposing political party offers you up opportunities to have talking points like Mike Lee and Rand Paul have done in the last 36 hours, you use them to your advantage. Like they try to use Justin Amash to, to be the face of their impeachment earlier or, or later last year. That's partisanship. This is visceral. This is, this is reflexive. This is, I think, Todd, a fundamental hatred. That's what I think it is. It is, and that's where I, I – can I hold off on echoing that? Because the next topic is Iran specifically. Sure. And I want to – I just don't want to leave one thing behind. Uh, Michelle Williams, th- things happen to women's bodies that they don't choose, and we're specifically talking about abortion – I have to beg, it begs the question, I have to ask, do you know where babies come from? I, I'm i sorry to belittle a grown woman like that, but that I'm just taking her own words. Does she know where babies come from? Yeah, like uh, just just dandelion spores. I I actually, I actually, I think, I think that comment is getting dragged a little bit too much. Um, Things happen to uh, girls' bodies that they don't choose. I think abortion is a great example of that. So I think she's actually right, just not the way she means. There's the these people just want to kill kids. That's exactly what it is. That's uh, because there's there. That's so incoherent. Like less than 9% of total in, in, a, in a given year of abortions in America are conducted because of rape, incest. Oh, or you're they, being generous. And that's, and that's being exceedingly yes. generous. Exceedingly. Don't, just don't, you can't, they're, they're, you know, that very serious tone in the hard cases. Don't ever let and them get away with pregnant. it. she's pregnant. She's saying yeah. this while she's pregnant with a child. She's saying this. That's... The Aztecs are blushing at that con that they are trying Yikes. to put on you. The Yikes. Aztecs. Well said. On a scale of one to ten, with one being as pathetic as Lindsey Graham's T-level and ten being as vigorous as Ilana Omar's raging anti-Semitism, rate this week's level of total depravity. Shannon. I'll give it a five. It's uh, expected. <laughs> It's not wrong. See, that's it. And I'm giving it a 10 and we're both right because a 10 is a five. That's their norm. Their average is awful. There's nothing new under the sun. It doesn't matter anyway. I mean, it's, I don't know. Aaron? Uh, It's an 11. It's an 11 this week. I think the break, the time off is really 
uh, yeah, I'm reset. Also not wrong. Yeah, yeah I, I'm totally reset because I, I have been away from this for the last. I mean, you guys go look at the stuff I posted on Twitter and stuff on while I was on vacation. It was a lot more about sports and Star Wars than about. I mean, I, I don't follow this stuff if I don't have to. And man, I, I really feel like I, I just took a medicine ball to the gut like 15 times watching that. I'm like, I share a country with these people. I, I mean, I just, wow. Let's get to issue two, Iran. After many months of escalation by Iran and her proxies in the Middle East, most notably its activities in the Strait of Hormuz and its alleged attack on a refinery in Saudi Arabia last year, the near catastrophe which unfolded during the holidays at the U.S. Embassy in Baghdad, Iraq, as hundreds of militiamen stormed the facility trapping U.S. personnel inside, well, that was apparently enough for U.S. leaders to consider retaliation against Iran. So in the wee hours of January 3rd, the U.S. launched an attack on top Iranian General Qasim Soleimani on his convoy at the Baghdad airport in Iraq, killing him. Soleimani was, without a doubt, one of the worst monsters on the face of the planet. It's easy to draw a line between him and the responsibility for hundreds of U.S. deaths in the region. To save face, Iran launched its own attack this week, targeting the Al-Assad airfield in Iraq, which houses about 1,500 U.S. and coalition forces. The attacks from Iran killed no Americans. However, both the U.S. and Canada claimed later in the week that Iran either purposefully or accidentally shot down a Ukrainian airliner during its attempted attack on the U.S., killing all 176 people aboard the flight. All told, it was a bad week for Iran. So this first question is intentionally open-ended because this story has had numerous tentacles this week. The The media coverage that we already discussed, we can go back there again if you would like, the actual policy itself, uh, what this means going forward. So I, this first question is intentionally open-ended so that each of you can uh, touch upon the part of it that you think needs to be highlighted the most. So Todd, I go to you first. What do you think needs to be highlighted the most here with this story this week? Well, before you went there, that's where I was going to go concerning what it says about uh, the, the leftist uh, press and leftists, uh, progressives in general. The hatred of Trump goes way back. And if you'll recall, uh, when Donald Trump said, I could shoot somebody in the middle of the street and it wouldn't even matter. On my Fifth pe- Avenue. My yeah. people love me. Said that here in Iowa. And this actually. is just, I mean, Trump has said so many things like that, just cavalier. But but it's it's a it's a caricature he his whole embodiment is a caricature but what he said is actually true of leftists and their allegiance to defending the Soleimani's of the world because Soleimani actually that's what he does he just shoots people in the middle of the street lots of them and look at how he is being worshipped by the fawning press they that can't be pointed out enough we are dealing there's no way that this is not going to end up very badly. We are in the middle of a civil war where the propaganda is as ripe as it's yep. ever been in our past. You, d- you you have to deal with that. You can't run away and hide from that. Just like you can't find... The, and regarding the specifics of being at war, I don't want to be at war over there. Uh, I, I, don't, I, I don't want needless deaths of Americans over there, but I accept the world for what it is. And this is not... Bec- it isn't what it is over there because we don't have a Marie Harf job 
jobs program. We have a uh, problem because over there. Because our troops haven't been stationed over there long enough. Because we have we have wicked cultists over there who believe in a false god, and they're living it out year after year after year after year. And listen, uh, uh, has America been? in any way flawless in how it is conducted its business uh, over there? Of course not. But whatever we've done up to this point does not in any way absolve the fact that this guy's just a fiend. He's a cultish fiend whose job was to kill, who enjoyed killing the innocent, the better, quite frankly. And I'm not going to let anybody get away with saying otherwise about that the, the the world simply is what it is on this front and whether america's there or whether america's not there people people like that want us dead because that's their faith the, the worldview that you're talking about they've been killing each other with it for a millennium before the plymouth before the pilgrims landed on plymouth rock guys all right for a millennium before there was a mayflower compact they were killing each other over this belief system, over the worldview that you're talking about. So I, I have been abundantly critical of the way we've handled our business over there on this show the last numerous years under multiple administrations now. But the reality is if we pulled back all of our troops tomorrow, which by the way, I'm all for that, okay? I'm all for that not because I'm ignorant to the fact that they're just gonna start killing each other, but because I'm aware of it. That's why. Because if, 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 there, if, if the worldview there is so unstable that they cannot stop from killing each other before they even get to the great Satan, then what they need are evangelists, not more of our soldiers standing around waiting, waiting to get IED'd to death. So um, I, to me, I think you can have a totally different argument about the process of what went on here. Um, I don't agree with that either, but I, I I can respect that argument. What you saw this week with the media aspect, for the remaining few of you who thought we were too um, confrontational and provocative last year, when we said this is an this is an enemy media, this is enemy of a hostile invading force. That now it's not for a show like this. It's probably not going to be too many of you. Most of you are like, why didn't you start saying this like four years ago? Okay, but for the few remaining of you that are wondering why we did that, you saw this week why. You saw the willingness to be the mouthpiece of the state-run media for a rogue regime, not even most of the Muslim world, including other Muslim countries that export terrorism, by the way. Most of the Muslim world doesn't like trust or consider a friend, and our media could not wait to cozy up to them uh, in order to be their mouthpiece. Why? Because they're not our media. They're the propaganda arm of a of a hostile invading force. Aaron, your thoughts? Yeah, I think what needs to be highlighted the most is that, at least to my knowledge, I, I haven't seen anything contrary, and correct me if this is wrong, but between the Baghdad embassy um, debacle, where uh, that was obviously Iran had to have been be- behind that, um, behind be, between that and be, be uh, between. Um, you know, Iran's attack, attempted attack on on U.S. installations in Iraq. Uh, I don't know of a single U.S. casualty. Of course, the 176 passengers of that plane, that's a completely uh, different or um, but related story, but uh, no U.S. deaths. And that 
I don't think that can be taken for granted because I think things were looking back on this. I think things were a little bit more hairy than even it it seemed like. Um, so that that's a big kind of overarching uh, narrative there. But I think secondary to, uh, secondary to that, uh, we talk about this all the time. You show an honor cu- culture who is who is the boss. You you have to remind them over and over again. And this was a good. Uh, a good example of that, I think, this week is that we flexed and they blinked. And that's I, I think that's the currency that you have to deal with, not a jobs program. Just flex, show them who's in charge, and hopefully after that they'll think twice about trying to blow us up or commit other acts of terrorism. Shannon, your thoughts? Um, I think the thing that stands out to me the most, first and foremost, is how quickly we have reverted back to status quo in the Middle East. Um, We are still deployed there. In fact, in the past seven days, President Trump has sent 6,000 new troops to the Middle East for whatever reason. Um, The flip-flopping between the two sides, left and right, over whether or not we should be in the Middle East also strikes me. During George W. Bush's regime, we all beat the war drums. We had to go to war. We had Mm -hmm. to go into Iraq. Then we all admitted it was a huge mistake. And then during the tenure of President Obama, we all wanted to pull out. And actually, President Obama kept our presence there. Um, When President Obama um, led from behind in the takeover in Libya. Everyone criticized him. He needs war authorization. I mean, just the flip-flopping between the two sides Mm -hmm. over this debacle that is the Middle East is really striking to me. And the fact that after all of that, after all of the the beating of the war, war drums and the rhetoric, nothing has changed in the Middle East. We were hashtagging end endless wars about Syria a month ago. And now conservatives have a completely different take on what's going on in the Middle East. And apparently we're okay with sending thousands of troops of it. I mean, 6,000 in seven days. The other thing that strikes me is the fact that we are omitting, I mean, there's no discussion and it's stunning to me that there is absolutely no discussion about the key players in all of this. Um, it's like, you know, we're not talking about Russia and Iran and and Turkey. I mean, last week, Russia and Turkey are celebrating pipelines in Syria because now they've established dominance in that region. They're also flexing their muscles in Libya in terms of the, the sectarian violence that's happening there. They're, they're conducting war exercises with China and Iran and the Gulf of Omen. And in addition to that, because of the trade war, you have a, a, an unprecedented trade partnership between Russia and China. And so it's almost as if my husband and I were to sit down at a, at a chess game. And let's be frank, Iran and North Korea and these, the, these countries don't pose a threat to us. They can strike us maybe potentially through terrorism. But if we were in a one-on-one battle with them in a war, we would crush them in a second. They're proxies for Russia and China. And the fact that we're not having any discussions about how Russia fares in this or, or China is is disturbing to me but it's like if we were to sit down at a chess game and and my kids were watching and they're talking about the size and the shape and the color of the chess pieces rather than the people who are moving the pieces across the board there's no discussion of that and so i have a hard time even analyzing what the hell happened in iran to be frank i don't know if it's good i don't know if it's bad i'm glad that soleimani is dead but i don't feel like i can trust anyone in the administration outside the administration in the left-wing press and quite frankly in a a lot of the right-wing press as well i don't disagree i I agree with a lot of that um i a lot of what you said is why the same approach 
that needs to be taken here with Iran needs to be taken with North Korea, Turkey, and the other countries that you that you mentioned. Because ultimately, they're not they're tugging on Superman's cape. They're they're not these are they're the Grover Dills. You know, we just came out of the Christmas season. They're 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 the Grover Dills here. Okay. Um, the 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 Scott Farkas are the are the two countries that you just mentioned, and the Grover Dills are the ones they throw up there to do a lot of their dirty work, or they look the other way while they act out to do their dirty work. And I think that's why an equally strong hand needs to be taken with each and every one of these rogue states, and not just Iran. We got to get to the exit question, though. All right, exit question: True or false? There will be more military actions from and against Iran this year. True or false, Aaron? False. Todd. True. Shannon. True. True. All right. Um, when we come back here, and this year got off to such, my, my 2020 got off to such a great start because of the topic we're going to talk about next. And then I had to watch Aaron's first bleep Democrats say montage. I, I had to see that I am, I am non-binary was trending on Twitter. I'm parading my mental illness around. And we here at The Blaze just ran a story about how college students are on camera demanding an apology to Iran for the killing of their leader. And, and then there's the climate cult that uh, our, our Nate Madden got a photo of earlier today out there on the Capitol Hill grounds, right? Can, can I return to a happy place? Do you guys mind? Because this, is, this, this topic, this is my happy. This is my happy place. Me too. Uh, at this point, I would let Ricky Gervais do un- uh, uh, obscene things to me. That's how happy I am with this topic. All right. And we are going to talk about it next when we return here on Blaze TV radio and podcast. He came to drop bombs and he did. We will discuss that and more next year. Stay tuned. <laughs> All right, let's get back to it. Joined by our good friend Shannon Joy there, New York talk show host, Totters and Aaron McIntyre and myself, Steve Dace. It is your weekly look at the week that was, the Dace Group Roundtable, and we now return to my nirvana. Issue three, Ricky Gervais. Ricky Gervais slayed at the Golden Globe Awards. Not worthy. Not worthy. I am... I, I can't... Someone should should start a Bible study on that montage. <laughs> I, I just... I, I, I'm... I... You know, if, if, if the... If the, if, if the Messiah show on Netflix, which I really think is about the Antichrist, but if... If they portrayed him thusly, I I totally fall for it. Okay, I mean that's how much I am in to that. Is that like your twenty first century Dead Sea Scrolls right yes, there? Yes, yes. I I and then it doesn't just feel like he's just talking to you yeah. too. Yeah, <laughs> that's how I felt. I'm like, it just feels like that was just for me. You know, like it was transcendent, and somehow twenty million of us all thought it was just for us, right? So, what? Do, why do you think? this moment struck such a nerve in pop culture and he has followed up all week long on Twitter just just destroying people's shibboleths man I mean just and then and then taking the shattered pieces and stabbing them in the neck with it and then photobombing them I mean it's just uh, 
been absolutely glorious to watch that a hard left atheist is our Ezekiel. But you know what, man? You'll take it where you can get it. So, Shannon, what, what, why do you think this struck such a nerve in pop culture this week? Well, first of all, I have to agree. It was one of the most satisfying things that I've seen in probably a decade. It was, and I wouldn't have found it if it weren't for you, Steve. So thank you for uh, having that show up in your Twitter feed. I think that Ricky Gervais, um, and and the reason that he that he um, translated so well, I think, in his speech was evident in the very beginning when he said, I don't care. Right? I mean, <laughs> that was the whole point. And radical truth sometimes comes from a position of, I just don't care anymore. Everything is so stupid. Everything is so ridiculous. Mm-hmm. You're all such hypocrites that I don't care. I'm done. I'm going to come up here and I'm just going to slap the truth down on the kitchen table right in front of your faces and you're just going to eat it. And that's that's what I think, to be honest, we need more of in conservative media. I think that uh, we need to channel a little bit of Ricky Gervais and just slap down radical truths about our own party, our own president. I mean, at the end of the day, you know, at least from my perspective, that's what I'm trying to do. And this is why when I say there are there are no two parties, they're both the same party. They're all progressive leftists. President Trump is a Democrat. Just accept it. When I say that, you know, they they play their acting roles, they go on and they pretend to fake fight about this bill or this war or, you know, this piece of legislation when none of them read it. Everything stays the same. The status quo always exists. Um, You know, they show up in their fancy cars with their fancy suits and their entourage and they they read their little talking points. All of these uh, politicians, when at the end of the day, they're exactly the same. They go behind closed doors and they have martinis and they clink each other and toast themselves on being masters of the universe while they're all working together to screw us. And that's what I want to hear more of. I want Donald Trump exposed for the leftist that he is. I want the Republican Party exposed for the fact that they they have done this now for the past 20 to 30 years so that we can get to a point of radical truth so that we can punch through it and start to build a new movement. And so he is my spirit animal. I want to chan- uh, channel as much of Ricky Gerva- Gervais as I can in this next year because um, that kind of truth is what's going to be necessary to build a new movement from the ground up, from the local level that is going to be able to challenge Washington, D.C., which is uh, unfortunately Unfortunately, unsavable, in my opinion. Aaron, what do you think? Yeah, so I, I think why this struck such a nerve is that, well, one, uh, the devil hates to be mocked. That's that's the that's the first thing. But I think as far as the positive side of this, Gervais wasn't just talking to the people in that room. He was talking to the people on your block who, you know, have have uh, have the Green New Deal bumper stickers on their uh, on their suburban on their Escalade, right. you know, they're talking to the people uh, who who like to lecture you uh, about how you're uh, how you're how you're so hateful while while saying that uh, they're 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 you know accepting and inclusive of all types of lifestyles while simultaneously judging you and marginalizing you for your view of those lifestyles. He was talking to those people as well, and so that's why it was so cathartic. I mean, that is the perfect word. I'm going to just say that catharsis is the perfect word. For, for watching that because he was not just roasting the people in that room. You know, you know people like that in your own neighborhoods, in your own school districts, in your own school boards, things like that, who are just the people who think that that the uh, that they're that they're the ones the world has been waiting for. That they are they are the people that we've been waiting for. Um, the, 
that he was he was talking and addressing and skewering those people as well. So I think that's why it hit such a nerve. He's a proxy, in other words. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think that has a lot to do with it as well. Todd, what do you think? Well, I loved it. Uh, he, I've always naturally been able to do, to some extent, what he did. I, so, I, I mean, I've, this is why I had conversations like that at the Des Moines Register all the time, which is why they hated me. I just threw it back in their face. And the people who hide behind their keyboards who just need to believe uh, they're the people they've been waiting for, they, they hate that. And they really don't have, other than being the mob, they really have no good defense. So it uh, it was, of course, fantastic, and it should be a lesson for all of us. I do have some different conclusions, though, uh, than Shannon. It it it's it is this level of resolve in more and more people figuring things out that is the reason that Donald Trump could end up winning in the modern day equivalent of a landslide. I mean that that level of like forsaking. The nonsense that has been drip, drip, dripping people. I got to think this way. I got to do this way. It's right. They, they're like they're they're being given more and more permission to just like, no, that's it. That's right. I believe that all along, but I was bullied into submission. So I'm not positive that's going to happen. But if it does happen, we're going to look back and the the the, the worldview sw- shifted at least for the, and we can have it shift back again just as quickly because there's only so many Donald Trumps but he's not the one that needs to be figured out Shannon and I, I when you said I want him to be uncovered for the democrat he is like hey, he's He's not like pulling off some great scam in terms of like it's so obvious for anybody no, with eyes to see that he's right. but it's it's everybody else who's uh, you know well he lays it out on the kitchen table we just don't want to accept it right, I mean, that, right that's the problem like we we took that step of going with someone new some a bull in the china shop like like Donald Trump thinking that he was going to legislate in the way that that he campaigned and every time he prolongs or or funds Obama initiatives or even wrenches us to the left in the terms of gun control, criminal justice reform, and open borders, we just don't want to see but it. This is, yeah, but this I, is why. I, because of Ricky Gervais and what yeah. he's saying. That's why. They're more sick of that than the fact that they're voting for basically a Democrat. They hate that. That's what I'm saying. I want to go to the next level of truth. All right. Well, right? I'll, then I'll go to the next level of truth, at least as far as I can see it. I, I don't think Donald Trump does any of those things. I don't. I, I, I think, well, let me re- rephrase that. I don't think Donald Trump originates any of those things. Sure. Donald Trump is open for business. Yeah. And the saddest truth is here that we could, if we had a real movement and we had a real conservative media, we could, we could impress upon him the need to do more of the kinds of things shows like this want to have done. But we don't. And why? Because we have, we have what produced John McCain as a nominee. We have what produced Mitt Romney as a nominee and now has Mitt Romney in the U.S. Senate hosting interviews with climate cultists yesterday. Okay? That's why. That's, that's why. I, I don't think he, is, he broke anything. I don't think he solves anything. I think he's a nope. symptom of the issue that is far more systemic than that. Right. And that is that ultimately for the majority of the people that get elected with an R and for too many of the people that work in this industry, it's really about what gets clicks and gets me on Fox. Nothing more, nothing less. Let's get to the exit question. If Ricky Gervais's future career opportunities in Hollywood were a Genesis song, which Genesis song would it be, ladies and gentlemen? A, 
Land of confusion, as in murky, can't really see. B, throwing it all away. He's toast. He's done. Or C, turn it on because he's about to hit next level. Todd, what do you think? From a certain point of view, I think turn it on. Okay. Mm -hmm. Shannon, what do you think? Me too. Turn it on. There might be doors closed to him, but I think a lot of other ones will open up. They'll reward him for that. Ricky Gervais hosting CPAC next year. Sure. Might, yeah. That might get me to go. for the. I only go when if I have a book to sell. Otherwise, there's really no point being there. Right. That might Better. get me to go. That might get me to go. If he does the same thing maybe to certain people in that crowd as he did to the one that... Then I'm in the front, I am in the front oh. freaking <laughs> row. Okay? I'm yes. Uh, I agree. I think it's a turn it on. Issue four. Which award show would you host and why? Award shows are those times when the beautiful people get together and give themselves a pat on the back for being beautiful. Of course, the Oscars still own the top spots for the best in film for the year that was. The Emmy Awards celebrate the best in primetime television, the Golden Globes, the Grammys, the Brit Awards, the ESPYs. All opportunities for really pretty people to say pretty stupid stuff. There's a long list of really cringy awards show speeches that one is easily at the top. What, was Winona Ryder cringing at that or cheering it? I, uh, I, both. I, okay. Um, Todd, if you could host any award show, which one would it be and why? Well, it, to echo what we just said, it's where you can do the most damage, right? <laughs> isn't that what... So you've got to go Oscars, isn't it? With it yes, I, get, I don't know. Maybe. Which is why now they are I don't know, not I'd like having to see, hosts. I'd like to see white ginger dude up at the Grammys. Drop and trow to see how that in that crowd and see how that would go. Yeah. Okay, but okay, you want to go to the Oscars to do what Ricky Gervais, what said, Ricky oh, Gervais did? Absolutely. Yeah. You're not going. Does any award show have even close to the viewership of the Oscars? Uh, um, now I know no, that's but dropping, their, but their viewership, all yeah. the all the viewerships of these award shows has plummeted in recent years, and the Oscars chief among them because they were number one. By the way, you may have an award show or something that you would like to do. This doesn't have to be. I want to go Ricky Gervais, but if that's where you want to take it, that's cool too. Well, that's. I would like to do this okay. to go napalm. That's what I would like to do. I love love the smell of napalm yes. in the morning. I hear you, yeah. Shannon. What about you? So none of the above. I would start my own award show, and it would be for political theater, and I would give awards to politicians based on all of the acting that they do in Washington D.C. I love that idea. I love that idea. Aaron, um, I would uh, I would host the Razzies. That was not on the on the list either. Uh, the 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 Golden Raspberry Awards. Uh, that's basically worst movies, worst, worst acting. movies, worst acting. Yeah. Um, yeah, I would love to do that just to have a perpetual chance to do what uh, what Gervais did the other night. All right, let's get to predictions. Aaron, I'll go back to you first. Uh, the Dodgers will win the World Series in 2020. Wow, no Chiefs playoff prediction. No, I already made those like multiple times. All right. Shannon, your prediction this week. Geez, I forgot about predictions. Um, so let me go with, I think there's going to be some major cybersecurity election legislation coming up, and it will most likely be passed and signed by the president as a result of the uh, Iran skirmish. Mm. That was really, really good for That's coming up. That's pretty good off the top of your head. Oh, yeah. yeah, maybe consider doing this for a living somewhere. Todd, what do you think? I'm going back into the wood chipper. I, I went one and four with my NFL picks last year, and I was 0 and three. I mean, in my defense, there were overtime games and everything like that, but yikes. Uh, I'm going with the two favorites in the AFC, uh, the Chiefs and the Ravens, and then in the NFC, I'm going with uh, Packers, and a big upset, I'm going with the Vikings. I think that's the best possibility for an upset is the Vikings. If it weren't for the weather, 
I would say the Seahawks. Because all the analytics say your Packers I, are way I overrated. Am, I agree. Seahawks are really beat up. But the Seahawks are really beat up. And yes, they play in bad weather, but it's not Green Bay bad. Green Bay bad. It's 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 a it's a Puget different kind of yeah. bad weather. My prediction this week. This year, Disney slash Lucasfilm is going to announce that the next Star Wars saga series of films that begin in 2022 are either going to go way in the future or way in the past. And this is going to be done in an effort to distance, put distance between the franchise that just concluded and the divisiveness of that franchise, of a trilogy of, of films as well. Um, so, no, we're not going to pick up on where Ray, Finn, and Poe left off, at least not in the immediate future. I think we're going way in the future or way in the past in order to essentially uh, do a soft reboot. That's what I think we're going to do. In terms of mood, um, you know, the the mood of the films, the, the temperament of the films, et cetera. Todd's face during this entire thing has been I hilarious. don't care anymore. Yeah. They can't do the future. Like, and the, if they do the past, they should do it well, just like for the same reason we talked about with Lord of the Rings yesterday, but that's only going to depress you even more about how badly they screwed up what they just did. It's just, I'm, I'm broken. So thanks for bringing that up again. You know, in, in the words of another Disney film, you may have to let it go. Don't you Are you getting, letting go of Justice League? I'm never letting that See? go. That, yeah. that hate fuels me, as a matter of fact. No. <laughs> go. Gets me up in the morning. I see you and raise you. <laughs> Shannon, always good to see you. Thank you for joining us here. Thanks, guys. All right, take care. We have breaking news we should get to, by the way. Um, it, this came out right as the show was starting, uh, this, this morning or afternoon, depending on what part of the country you live in. Uh, Speaker Pelosi has announced she is going to release the articles of impeachment to the United States Senate uh, for trial next week. All right, so next week, she says, uh, they will release the articles of impeachment, the indictment, which would mean Donald Trump would then be officially um, impeached, and then we'd have a trial in the Senate or a hearing of some kind uh, to determine whether he should be removed from office. Aaron, quickly, you're shaking your head no. I, I'm, I'm, I'm sticking by the uh, whole prediction of this is not going to happen until I actually see it happen. I can't, I can't blame you for that. I can't. I mean, it's, it's only been 23 days since they in, uh, needed to impeach him. We'll come back. Some Feedback Friday is next. Stay tuned. And we're back with Hour 2, live and on demand here on Blaze TV, radio and podcast. I'm Steve Dace Totters and Aaron McIntyre here as well. If you do listen to us today via the podcast, please, if you'd consider it, if you've got the time, and we've got a snowstorm hitting in the Midwest, so I know some of you have some time, to leave us one of those five-star reviews at the podcast platform of your choice, because the more of those you get, the more the algorithms help us find more people like you, and then the more likely we are to continue to do this for a living, which... I don't think you guys want us dragging down Donald Trump's unemployment rate. So do it for him. All right. Keep us employed for him, please. All right. Uh, thousands of you have already sent us one of those five-star reviews. Thank you very much. Consider sending four, five, six, 14 more. I don't know whether that works or not, but I'd be willing to find out if you are. And for the rest of you that have not left us a five-star review yet, when the Sam Hill are you waiting for? Please. 
Thank you. Before we get to Feedback Friday, I was just uh, watching a clip of Joaquin Phoenix showing up at that uh, climate cult rally in Washington. God bless him. You can tell he's like trying to be sincere. Like he's like really concerned, but he's like doing the math in real time when they ask him to speak, you know, and he's like, well, you know, I, I try to think about how I can combat this, but I, I flew here on a plane. <laughs> he's like, he, he's like game planning this out in real time. I don't know. You know? That's, see, that's the Ricky Gervais effect. We're getting some self-awareness now. He's like, I, I mean, I, I flew here on a private jet. I guess I can change what I eat. I don't know. I mean, but I, are you guys, don't you guys love being lectured to about the environment? Not just from people that, you know, spend their lives traveling on private planes, but people who are consistently blowing all their um, carcinogens back out into the atmosphere. Like walking, don't you love chain smoking Hollywood stars like Leonardo DiCaprio lecturing? The guy is literally ingesting nuclear waste into his lungs and then blowing a portion of it back out into the air for you to breathe. I mean, you, your, your lungs are a freaking Geiger counter and you want to lecture us about See, global warming and the climate, really? But that's why, if you were just are, are you really all that concerned about it, given the state of your own being, for example? It's you couldn't have this conversation with a, a chick, but with a guy because of the dude code. If you if it was just Leo and us, who's like Leo? Come on, now. I mean, yeah, you know, dude, you're on your third pack of camels. Yeah. I, mean, bro. I mean, you know, right? Yeah, and he, I mean, I know you got to play the game. Just and he'd wink at you. Yeah, okay, but you don't really believe. And this. then you're like, okay, all right. I hate the game, not the yeah, player. Yeah. I hear you. I hear you. Okay. All right, let's get to it. Feedback Friday this hour brought to you by our friends over at RidUZone. If you have a New Year's resolution to get healthier this year, might as well quit it now because 80-some-odd percent of you will be quitting it by Valentine's Day, according to every study that's ever been done. Why? Because it's really about lifestyle change, and that's where RidUZone comes in. Your body was made to crave and conserve calories, so it makes it harder to cut back because it goes against your nature. Thankfully, you've got a little molecule in your body called OEA that helps the brain know when the belly is full. Unfortunately, in order to get overweight, you just kind of ran over that speed bump for too long. That's where Riduzone wants to help. Wants to help the, that OEA by just putting in more OEA. That's all that it is. When you turn over the label, you're going to see OEA. That's the ingredients, all right? Not loaded with chemicals, additives, fillers, uh, stimulants, caffeine, preservatives, none of that. That's why it's FDA accepted, gluten-free, and vegan-friendly. If you want to help get your portion sizes and craving controls under control, because it's not what you're eating as much as it is how much and how often, all right? Try Riduzone right now. Three-month supply for 30% off when you use promo code Steve at Riduzone.com, R-I-D-U-Z-O-N-E, Riduzone.com, promo code Steve to get 30% off. Shall we begin? Let's do it. Let's do this for the first time in 2020. I promise to stop saying that next week. I've been looking into this since The Last Jedi killed my passion for the sequel trilogy. What went wrong with Star Wars? 
And everything starts with Kathleen Kennedy. She wanted to turn Star Wars female, thought she could get away with it as long as it had the Star Wars and Disney name attached. I agree with you guys. They probably thought they had freedom and that there wouldn't be a backlash. But as we see, it didn't turn out the way that they thought. It didn't help that Ryan Johnson clearly hated the series. And they admitted through leaks that they wanted to kill Luke Skywalker because he was too distracting to audiences. Bob Iger, the head of Disney, is also one that I blame because he said he didn't want to be bothered with pleasing fans. Disney used the access to media to castigate the real fans that weren't pleased with what they were doing, calling us names and telling us they didn't need us because we were toxic. They clearly wanted a progressive audience. They obviously wanted a female audience, ignoring female fans like me that loved Star Wars on its terms and weren't asking for an oversaturation of female representation. They expected people to just buy toys and thought that just a little bit of fan service would make people ignore that they weren't giving the movies to people who were obviously not fans of the Star Wars franchise. I've asked like you, why this franchise? Why did they tinker with it when they haven't tinkered with it this way with so many others that Disney runs. And I can only assume that it's like with the comic book industry, something else I've kept my eye on as a fan. Progressives hate that it's a mostly white male dominated fandom. I say this as someone who gets either ignored or corrected as a black female. The new progressive Marvel has been an abject failure and you can already see some of the backtracking they're doing on the next stage of the MCU. What she's referring to is they said they were going to have a tranny character and now they're saying they're not. Um, it felt like they could get away with more agenda in Marvel on the big screen, or if it felt if they felt like they could get away with more of this agenda in with Marvel on the big screen, most assuredly they would do it. That's from Jatuan Frazier. I think I'm pronouncing that first name correctly. If I'm not, you'd have a really cool nickname, Jet. But th- that's a cool nickname to go by, right? Oh Jet. Yeah. yeah. So I think it's Jatuan. If it's if I'm wrong though, Jet Frazier. Gentlemen, your thoughts on what she had to say. Yeah, there is this, um, this is a hallmark of progressivism. It is uh, casting, uh, casting your own aspersions on how you think the world ought to be and then painting and, and making actions and living your life according to that. Uh, an example of that is foreign policy, which we've talked about ad nauseum this week. Uh, for too long, American foreign policy has wanted to uh, see the world as it wants to see it, not as, as it actually is. And the same thing happens even in entertainment. This is the way I want. This is the way I want my customer base to be. This is the way I want my audience to be, and this is the way I, I want them to be pleased as well. And so I think part of what she, or what part of what, uh, you know, what that letter is getting at is, you know, what. Uh, I like the I like Star Wars the way it was and and the themes that it was, but these uh, people who came in uh, just wanted to, to 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 cast it in their own way and uh, wanted it to to cater to the audience that they wanted it to to cater to, not the one that it actually already had. So that's a hallmark of progressivism, and that's kind of what I'm hearing in that in that note. You know, I I we had this conversation on Tuesday. Mm-hmm. And I went away from that unsatisfied because I, I I couldn't I couldn't sufficiently answer your comeback, which was why uh, this one and not why this one yeah. and not the others. When it, but we agreed that this it's clearly intentional. It wasn't an accident because those things were successful. And I still I don't have here's but just to re, and here's why I challenged you with that. No, you should I, because if I, we're going to go out into the culture and say these things. That's it's not an obvious. Okay, well then, how come Sleeping Beauty, you know, is it, it, it doesn't have a rainbow 
wig? Why didn't they do this with Aladdin, Lion King? That uh, We need to answer that question. I and I think a plausible theory, like we said on Tuesday, is given the futuristic, even though it's a long time ago in a galaxy far, far away, the technology and everything's futuristic. It's, it's, it's clearly not tied to anything directly earthly. Like a lot of these fairy tales are that maybe they felt like this was a place that there was wiggle room that you don't have with, you know, Aladdin and tales of the, of, you know, of of the golden Knights or whatever that story was called 2000 years ago or whatever. I, I don't uh, disagree with that. I think to be a bit more specific, though, I I, I do, f- I think the the re the rebirth of a of the Jedi through Luke and the the, the goodness that everybody anticipated coming out of that. I I just I I think if you, th- I don't know how much Kathleen Kennedy has pondered that if it's conscious unconscious but i just i don't that more than any disney movie more than any avenger that, did you feel this way coming out of the force awakens at all did i feel like were you offended that the the heroine that it's a heroine that luke oh, skywalker's a girl now basically no, I've, well i've told you that i mean i we I never had to, any of these conversations after the force awakens I, right i have i have four daughters this was going to be a way for me to make them like star wars more because it was a girl right so, and they hate it. I, I, I don't think they set out to do this from the beginning. I don't. Because none of this is even hinted at in The Force Awakens. I mean, none of it. None of it is. Um, that I think clearly this is something Ryan Johnson and Kathleen Kennedy began doing with the second movie. And whether they intended it to be that directly iconoclastic or they were like, we've got, you know, the number one. Here's the other thing, too. The number one criticism of The Force Awakens was what? The story's too derivative. It's just it's just the same tale retold. There's nothing new. It, for a lot of people, yes. Okay, that was the number one criticism of the movie. And if you look at the ebb and flow of this trilogy, this is why I've said from the very beginning, the problem is they had no plan from the beginning. That I that That's my only, Jed, if you're listening today, that's, and do you mind if I call you Jed? Because your friends call you that. Um, if you're listening today, Jed, that's my only... Um, counter I would have to what you said is when you point out what, what's gone on in the comic books, all right, and they've killed the comic book industry. That's why they keep having to do these reboots and everything else to bring people back because it's because it's become iconoclast, progressively iconoclastic. But that is systemic and plotted out purposefully. This thing has just been tossed together, all right. And and I think when this started out, they had no original plan. JJ just said, "Let's run it back. Why mess with a plan and a formula?" You know that that the the prequel trilogy was too convoluted and everything else. And what's the Trade Federation and nobody cares and and so everything we do else. The first order. Yeah, yeah. So every so let's just run run it back from the seventies. We have a new generation now. Okay, we'll give them the tried and true Lucas formula. The bad guys are clearly bad. The good guys are clearly good. There'll be somebody in the bad guy group that can be redeemed later on. We're just going to run back the same formula that worked before with new technology and better special effects for a modern audience and make people feel like they felt in the 70s, that make their parents feel like they felt in the 70s and 80s when they were in the theater again and give kids that feeling again. All right, that's what I think they all, they only tried to do with the first movie. That was it. 
And then I think this, the, then they, the criticism out of the first movie was it's too derivative. It's not original. So Ryan Johnson comes in and he's like, I'm your Huckleberry. Let's, let's, you know, let's, let's break some eggs. Let's, let's try something new. Let's do something different. Okay. And, and went, went way too far for people. All right. And, 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 and gave them too much, um, of a postmodern dosage of, of characters like oh. Luke Skywalker. And so then the next reaction is we've got to bring everything back in fan service. Everybody hated the last Jedi act like that movie. Never. I think this entire thing is actually an exercise in reactionary mismanagement. That's what I believe. And, and, and I don't, I think if they wanted to do this the way jet that you're assuming, like they've done with the comic book industry, it would look like what, what the MCU is trying to do. Well, we got a gay character in the Eternals and he's married with a kid and we're going to put a transfer, meaning that it would be plotted out. They would test the market. And when the market revolted against having a tranny superhero, Marvel came back and said, we're not going to do that in an MCU movie anytime soon. Okay. This thing has been reactionary and mismanaged from the beginning. I really don't think this is a leftist plot. I, I really just think they didn't know what the hell they were doing the entire time. Well, there's a lot of all of that in there. I think uh, the last thing I'll say, I think it was more iconoclastic in The Force Awakens uh, than you think. I mean, he definitely was going with a safe, make you feel Star Wars again. And might, um, hey, amen to that. But listen, Han Solo is a deadbeat dad in The Force Awakens. Uh, they they were already and they were giving Ryan per- Johnson permission. Like, man, did you? Ex- I mean, really, we were. I didn't expect that out of Han Solo. I don't think most people did. You didn't expect the guy who was found running away from his problems in the first movie to run away from his problems? That that shocked you? Not after that suggested like they did that is ignoring the entire storyline and his growth to become general and leader just like darth vader doesn't even matter he's not the savior of anything i mean that's what they keep doing I, they I just think, ignore things and they I, gave, I understand that was very why iconoclastic to I, turn I, han solo into a deadbeat dad i understand why you why you why i understand that belief okay i also though i just sat through a sermon at my church last sunday by a guy named Gary Rosberg that's spoken all over the country and done counseling all over the world who talked about one of the number one things he deals with is people reach a stage in life where they hit a wall, a tragedy, something like, I don't know, your son goes to the dark side. Um, you know, your wife left you and they want to quit, walk away, give up. All right. And, and it's not unique for people not to finish their race. Well, in fact, Look at the Bible. Most people, you know what? I can't believe David's sitting here walking walking away from the Lord after after he's united the twelve tribes. He's the hero, and now he doesn't want to finish his race. And now and now he's Solomon is the wisest man that ever lived and the most powerful king on, in the history of the earth. And and now he wants to go worship pagan gods at the end of his life. The, what happened with Han in the Force Awakens is not unique. What's unique is the guy who actually stays on the narrow road the whole time and finishes the race. Yeah, More than most of the time, we get on the road, decide we to jump off because it gets hard, and then have to be brought back yeah, again. I know, but that's the Darth Vader story, and they just got done telling us that that doesn't matter either. That's my point. There's just no consistency. Because there's I, Every, that's right, and you know why? Because there was mismanaged from the beginning. They had no plan from the very beginning. If they wanted to infiltrate you purposefully. They'd have done it better than this, okay? Because it's done better than this everywhere else in in pop culture. This thing is goulash. 
It's, 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 Hey, fend for yourself night at dinner. It's, Hey, we got to empty the cupboards before we go grocery shopping and just, let's just make something up. That's, that's why there's no symmetry here, rhyme or reason. This thing was mismanaged from the beginning because, because she mismanaged it. They, they tried a little, they tried a derivative tale as old as time. They tried iconoclasm. They tried fan service. They're just up there throwing stuff against the wall, trying stuff. They're just trying stuff. That's, that's, that's really what I think happened. Aaron, you have any final, you want to word on this before we move on to the next note? I think it can be both ends. I, I think the mismanagement um, allows, you know, I, I think the mismanagement allows Orion Johnson to happen and to foist his own. I agree own. with that too. So yeah. I think, I don't think Doesn't it's Doesn't rein him in, lets him go too far. I yeah. don't, I don't think it's an either or. I don't think it's an, I think it's a, it's a both and type of thing. If there's no reining in the world views and whatever is going to come, come, uh, Come seeping into whatever your endeavor is. I mean, the progressivism comes in the fact that she still has a job. If she was a white, if she, if, if 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 his name, if her name was Craig Kennedy, and had missed, and had made, had had, and this was the exact same series of movies, they'd have been fired three twenty five a half hour ago, three weeks ago, maybe before this third movie ever even gets this made. This is the part about Star Wars that's being bullied. How much? Look how much money it's still made because it's Star Wars. Yep. So you can. You can ruin a franchise, yeah, and still come clean they, on the but, other side. But to their, it's Star but, Wars. but to, but to, they clearly do care, though. That's why they made the moves they made in this third movie. That's why they've canceled this the the other movies. That's why they're giving it a three year moratorium. Okay, they clearly do care. So they so to to back to you again, Jed. If you're still listening, those fans they call toxic. You know, like Todd here to my right. On some level, they care what what these guys think. Otherwise, it would not have made the decisions they've made here in the last year. They, on some level, so it's a little bit like Bob Iger can stand up last spring and say, "Yeah, we're leaving Georgia. We're not filming any more movies there because of its heartbeat bill." But that's not true. Like he, he can say everything he wants to virtue signal, but in the end, you know, you look at some, you look at, you, you look at the fruit, not the words. They're not leaving Georgia. They're still filming everything there. And similarly, they can claim they hate people like you, Todd, but they, they, their actions speak and say otherwise that they care deeply. They just may not know exactly how to satisfy you and may be very bad at it. Okay, that's what made me mad about Justice League, is that it was clear that they didn't care about people like me. That's what made me upset about it. It was clear. They just did a crap job. They they did a McMovie. They did a, they did the McRib of movies. They did a two for one at a hot now. Okay. Uh, you know, that's what that movie was with, with characters that are far older than Star Wars. That's what made, it was clear they didn't care. And it's clear they do care what you think. So take some solace in that. Now, <clears throat> they may not be willing to give you the solutions you want. Or they may not know how to do it. Oh, but they do care. This isn't the, the left media. When they say they don't care what you think, they don't care. They, they don't care. Because they hate you. This business does care. At least Star Wars, for he, now. I am the minority. There's most people, even though the, 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 the way people will go to the well for Star Wars, and yeah, that sucked, but please give me more. I want more. I Just yeah. as long as I get my Star Wars. Yeah. It's It's nostalgia. Depressing. It's nostalgia. Well, and, and I've been yeah. trapped in that. Too, but People I mean, still it, buy season tickets to the Detroit Lions, too. It's nostalgia. 
Disney looks at Star Wars the same way they look at Star Trek or another futuristic franchise. They look at it through the lens of what will be or what is possible. Progressives try to rewrite history all the time. This gives them an opportunity to write the future like a god, and their hubris cannot resist the temptation. Star Trek has communicators, not unlike our smartphones. They also have a world where money is not needed. Star Trek The Next Generation is effectively a post-capitalistic society under one world government. Now we have Star Wars in our hand and, and can write the script any way we want. And if it's presented on the big screen, uh, it, in the most important mythological saga of the last 40 years, we can will it to being. Think back to the future when the president is Chelsea Clinton. Just think of the power you would have if you inherited the pen of a St. Paul. That's from Brian from Iowa living in Texas. I agree. See, Brian, I think this is what Brian Johnson was trying to do with the second movie. I I agree. I don't believe it's what they plan to do from the very beginning because they would have done the force of Wakens differently than they did. All right. So I, I do think that this is what Ryan Johnson was trying to do. And, and his notion, you know, his, his, him basically going, I am the Senate by saying, I don't believe in fan service is right out of the progressive mantra that you will, you will like, you know, uh, your, your, what we feed you because, uh, to each according to his abilities for each according to his needs. But I, I don't believe that's what they intended to do all along. Yes and no. Here's where I think we might come together on this because I've seen this many, many times in my life. And I've seen it in youth athletics. I've seen it in politics. I've seen it in journalism. There, there's, I think they did want to do it in theory. The spirit of the age was there. But many times the people who think and feel things, and this is what we talk about with Buttigieg, they just like, a, 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 he's, he's kind of that guy and I really need this. But then the actual playing out of it, not as many people will do that. Ryan Johnson did that. He gave them what they were, many of them were saying they wanted. And I was like, um, I know what I said, but I, God, dear God, it looks like this because they still have the nostalgia you're talking about for Star Wars. And even in Ryan Johnson's own script, he could not, in the end, Leia says, follow the white guy, yeah. pose in so, charge. All right. In the end, he still can't get around. He still has to confront and not be in some of the things that he, that he, in the end, Luke Skywalker still had to be the hero or they were yeah. all dead. Yeah. He still can't get around these things. So this is my thing. I ended it, but I was unsatisfied on Tuesday when I said, it's just progressivism. But here it is. That's where people keep talking about love is love and gay marriage. And why can't two people? And five years down the road, we're talking about, we don't know what an Indian and Audi or a bathroom is. And that's the thing. Like I, I, I did, I did believe love is love and I'm fine, but I, and they don't want to defend transgenderism, but there they are. And they feel like they can't do anything, but because that actually is the logical conclusion of this whole love is love thing. I mean, that's, that's what happened. You, you, you want to progressivize. They did definitely want to do that with star Wars. There's no way these people getting in a room didn't want that on some level. They're they're always talking about how we're going to get the next gay character. Who's it going to be? What's it going to be? And fits and start is, is Elsa. And, and, but sooner or later you make Brian Johnson did it on some level and it's, it's preposterous. And even the progressives know it's preposterous on some level, but the genie's out of the bottle now. I mean, it's it's an ugly thing that people can't pull back from. If we could, we would have pulled back from transgenderism like that, and we can't do that either. Steve Donnelly writes, Mayor Pete Buttigieg's, uh, since you brought his name up, Mayor Pete Buttigieg's non-existent support from the black community is directly related to his homosexuality in the socially conservative black church. But hypothetically, if Buttigieg were black or had been, uh, or, or had Barack Obama been gay, 
What effect would this have had on their poll numbers in the black community? Would ideology trump faith with being black transcending being gay while inflating their numbers or would faith prevail with homosexuality proving too large an obstacle to overcome and depressing them? Even though he's never said he's gay, he's never confirmed he's gay, and he claims he's actually dating Rosario Dawson. Although, have we ever seen the two of them together? Who am I speaking of? Cory Booker. Steve, if you want the answer to your question, I would look at Cory Booker's presidential campaign. So, I... Which one? Exactly. I, I So... Would it improve? Well, if you're at zero and you go to one or two, or if you're at two and you go to four or five, that's like, let's go with it two. If you're at 2% and you go to four, that's a hundred percent improvement, right? Right? Yes, yes. Did I do that right? Okay. Yes. I'm asking. I don't know. Cause yeah. I suck at math. Yeah. All right. So that's a hundred percent improvement. Is that, is it still a, a good number? No, no. So if you're asking the right kinds of questions though, Steve, it's a good question to ask. That's why I'm sharing it here on the show. If, Buttigieg were black and gay it would improve his numbers but he would still be way low by the way do you, do you guys you know we played that clip of, of Barack Obama with uh, Steph Curry last year right mm-hmm. do you guys watch how Barack Obama behaves when he goes to predominantly black audiences like the effeminate act that gets mocked in conservative media you don't ever see that guys you don't what do you do when you put your feet up on the table, right? You know, impersonating how he performs in these arenas. Why do you think that is? Because he's a really good politician. Because he knows his audience. Because, again, that's the black subculture is just, it's just different, man. Okay. It's just, it's just different. And the idea, even when, even when, even when, when black athletes cry victimology, they do it, you know, in a very masculine, confrontational, provocative way. Like Colin Kaepernick's not like, I don't know, maybe you should buy some Nikes. They might be cool suits because they're really woke. They're not, they're not doing that. Okay. I mean, you know, I mean, it's just, and I know you whiteies have been beaten into submission that you have to apologize for everything all of the time. But I can promise you, Growing up in, in a far more racially diverse state than Iowa, that gets you nowhere in the black community as a white person. None. In fact, they smell weakness is what'll happen. Okay, they just get you nowhere. And I you know, watch the behavior. If you if I've preached in predominantly black churches, they talk back to you. And if you you're wrong, they will tell you right there in the middle of the message. Not at the white church in the suburbs where you just kind of sit there and, and you fold your arms. I can't believe the pastor. Jim Gaffigan voice. And then your wife looks at you and then you just, you're trying to decide after the sermon's over, do I, do I mosey on up and say something to the pastor or not? You know, and then maybe if I do, I'm like, hey, I'm really sorry about this. It's just different, dude. It's just, it's just different. This is why to reset what you said about why you are when you got excited about the possibilities of Buttigieg. Yeah, I, I, you, you have to be careful when you think you can predict revival. We talk about it because God obviously has His own plans, His own timing. But based on what we've seen 
uh, from in the personage of Kanye West, if we have Trump versus Buttigieg, there is the potential for a revival to be viewed in real time like never before with if 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 we can get enough people looking clearly at what is going on in black america it would be fascinating I, to see I, what happens i agree i don't know that you would see a mass migration but at, but at the very least there would be more talk topic conversation about Applause. Oh, forget what are we the doing political here? migration. Yeah. I'm talking about a genuine revival. Yeah, I don't a, disagree a, with that. I'm tired of being taken disagree. for granted. I don't disagree at all. Yeah. I don't. And I I think that, I mean, why is Larry Bird so beloved? The hick from French Lick. Does it get whiter than Larry Bird with the bad perm mullet? Does it get, I mean, he's Mulvis Spills in an NBA uniform, okay? How, how, Why? In your face. I'll tell you where it's... Hey, dude, I'm going to drop this uh, 40-footer right in your face right now. How you like them apples? That's why. All right? Because they don't... They're, they're, not, a, they're not ashamed of masculinity in the black community, guys. The way that we are here over in Whiteyville. More in a moment. We roll on with Feedback Friday brought to you this week by our good friends at RidUZone. And again, I can tell you, I tried New Year's resolutions. They don't work. What does work, what worked for me, changing my lifestyle. Now, the hard part, if that's what you want to resolve to do when it comes to losing weight, the hard part is, though, you know, your body was made to crave and conserve calories, and now you want to cut back. How do you do that? Well, good thing is your creator put this molecule in your body called OEA that lets the brain know when your belly is full, but... When you let yourself get fat, you kind of just trained your subconscious to ignore that signal. Now we want to get it back into proper working order. How do we do that? That's where Riduzone can help. All Riduzone is, is OEA for your OEA. That's it. it. It's a supplement to boost the OEA in your body. And when you turn over the label and you look at the directions you're going to see, or the ingredient, or the in- ingredients, I should say, you're going to see there's not a whole bunch of things in there you can't pronounce. Uh, there's, there's no fillers, additives, preservatives, uh, no stimulants, caffeine, nothing. It's just literally OEA to boost the OEA in your body so you can get your portion sizes and cravings under control so that when you go to the gym or you go out walking and you, you get active, you're now taking away uh, stored fat as opposed to working against your own exercise routine. If you want to give this a shot, so we mentioned a few minutes ago that uh, you know we can just abuse our bodies, that the subconscious is trained to not pay attention to us when we want to do differently because we weren't serious about it in the past. Well, it takes about 90 days to retrain your subconscious with a new habit. That's why today we're offering you a three-month supply of Riduzone for 30% off. Three-month supply, 30% off when you go to Riduzone.com, Riduzone.com, R-I-D-U-Z-O-N-E, Riduzone.com, and use the promo code Steve to get that offer, all right? 30% off at Riduzone.com, promo code Steve. David Evans Martinez writes, um, before your recent excellent interview with Christopher Hale, if I recall, that was the gentleman that 
uh, we had on from the left, correct, yes. who identified as a as a as a progressive Christian, right? Yes, and gave us the phrase the white white woke brigade that we are yes. probably going to co opt forevermore, right? Uh, you said something to the effect of you don't want to talk about political stories that we know nothing will be done about. If this is true. Why are you talking about politics at all? Meaning bef- the reason I brought him on is because I'm more interested in worldview matters, matters of eternity, rather than political policies that ultimately we get all worked up about and neither party's going to do anything about, right? That's what I said at the time, okay? If this is true, why are you talking about politics at all? Sure, political analysis is fun, but I saw where Christopher Hale is at with the Dems and I couldn't help but think that's where I'll be with the Republicans in a few years, if not already. So why don't we take every political topic in Aaron's montage and use it as a springboard into overt Christian messaging? There doesn't seem to be any use in doing anything but trying to awaken people into wanting to come closer to Christ as you guys have done with me. My sincere thanks for that. David, you're welcome. Thank you for pointing, for... for um, giving us affirmation that I want to make sure I get the exact phrase here using every political topic as a springboard into overt Christian messaging. That's exactly what we're doing here. Don't tell anybody. Don't tell anybody. But it's exactly what we're doing here, David. And it worked on you. So thank you. My sincere thanks for that. Yes. Um, David, you're asking us to do what we're already doing. And praise God had an impact on you. That's what we're doing. So thankfully, no one listens to the show. So the master plan remains a secret. Um. You think you're more. You think of yourself as more of a blunt force instrument, but it turns out you got some scalpel skills. If people are kind of like, no, is it happening or not? Even if, even allowing the notion that I can only be a blunt instrument is part of the plan. Because if if you knew if 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 you knew it was subtle, it wouldn't it wouldn't be subtle, would it? Is this forty chess? 40 chests is dead, Todd. There's that, no that's fr- the official show position. Except. And Jeffrey Epstein killed himself. That's right. Yes. David Landry writes, have you seen the Liberty scores for Ted Cruz and Mike Lee lately? Ted Cruz's score is at 80%. That means he has voted against us 20% of the time over the last few years. It was not so long ago. His score was at 98%. Mike Lee's score is now 96%. And in light of his recent voting trend, I expect it to drop from there. He had maintained a 100% Liberty score for several years. Why do you suppose their Liberty scores are slipping? Could it be because of the relentless pressure that they experience daily from entities in D.C.? Is it because they no longer believe in the policies they so recently fought so hard for? Or have they been beaten down by the noise of D.C.? And it has now been revealed that their personal conviction is not as strong as we expected. Um, well, let's, let's start with this. And I... I love the fact you want to hold everybody accountable. I've got no issue with that, even if it's people I know and like, okay? Um, one of the reasons why I haven't talked, and I've, I've said this on the show before, so this won't be breaking news, but one of the reasons why I don't talk a lot about what Ted does on social media or on this show is I'm in a no-win position, okay? Um, if, if I don't agree with something, then because of our relationship, 
And I mean, he was just kind enough to invite me to an event in DC this week that I cannot attend. All right. But it puts me in an impossible position. If, if he, because of our relationship, if he does something I don't like, people that also have that relationship with him are going to think like I'm hurting him or backstabbing him. On the other hand, because of our relationship, if he does something that I like, well, that's only because you guys like it. You see, I can't win. And so I've just decided since this last, the last couple of years, the only way to play the game where Ted is concerned for me is, 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 or to win the game is not to play. I mean, if he did something that I thought was egregiously good and obvious, I would point it out. If he did something I thought was egregiously bad and obvious, I would point it out. Barring that, though, for the most part, you just don't see me comment on it a lot on the socials or here on the show. And I haven't, you, you guys are welcome to say whatever you want. I'm just talking about me. You guys don't have the relationship with him. I do. But for me, if I'm in a difficult, I, I can't win or lose. I'm, I'm a, either I'm a traitor or I'm a slappy. And I'm not comfortable in either one of those positions, so I haven't said much, okay? But let's also keep in mind, and what, you know, Mike still has the number one liberty score amongst every U.S. senator. And I understand we're slipping from 196. I understand that, <laughs> okay? But even me, I was, I was critical of Mike's comments on the show yesterday, okay? You know, I, I didn't like Javanka Care at all, all right? And if it had come from a guy with a 76% Liberty score, I probably would not have said a word. It's because it came from a guy with a 96% Liberty score that I did. All right. So I, I let, let's keep perspective. You know, like you're an Alabama fan. Ah, oh, man, I, we lost three games. There are two games this year. Man, we had to play in the Citrus Bowl. I don't blame you for being like, I don't, I don't, this, that's actually the perfect analogy. Okay. My disappointment that Mike Lee made the Citrus Bowl on the Iran issue does not mean that I think his program is a failure. You see what I'm getting at? Yeah. If you're an Alabama fan, you have the most talented roster in college football. It's nothing wrong with being disappointed that you had to play in the Citrus Bowl. But it's not like, oh, what? Nick Saban's lost it. Let, let, let. It's okay to be critical in the moment, but let's have some, a larger perspective of what we're talking about here. Is that fair? Okay. Yeah. And, and Ted's score is too low. It's also higher than almost every other Republican senator not named Mike Lee or Ben Sass, which, by the way, is ironic. Because Sass, I think, has the second best liberty score. And a lot of people watching and listening to me right now think he's an absolute traitor because he won't fluff Trump. All right. If I had to guess without going into Ted's liberty score, itemizing it, but we've had some natural disasters in Texas in the last few years that have required some omnibus spending bills to address. He's probably, because he's a senator from Texas, realized that's a fight I can't win. Probably some of his drop in his score is voting for legislation like that, if I had to guess. And then there's probably some other areas where he's just decided, I will get no reward for standing up against blank. So what is the, and all I'm going to do is get destroyed on every channel. Then most of my own voters will destroy me for voting against blank. So what, what I learned in the last primary cycle, I get no benefit for it. So unless we're talking about, you know, funding something absolutely heinous, is this a battle worth a hill worth dying on? Again, that would be a guess though, just knowing him and how his brain works educated guess but a guess it remains whether you think that's an excuse or not is really up to you as far as mike lee i don't think you can complain about a 96 percent liberty score at all i don't 
Again, I think you can complain that Mike Liberty, that Mike Lee made the made the citrus bowl on Iran. I think you can complain about that. I did yesterday. But I don't think because Mike Lee made the citrus bowl on Iran, you suddenly say Nick Saban's 96% championship score is he's a terrible coach now. I I think we got to be able to do a couple of things at the same time here. Yeah, I to me these guys is much respect broadly I have for them. These guys are like the guys who had head coaching jobs and now they're coordinators somewhere. And, you know, they're not going to be head coaches again. And so I, I don't obsess too much. I mean, what's the average Republican uh, liberty score in the Senate, do you think? I, oh, I would say is it's it below, below 70%. See, yeah. So his 80% is kind of, like, irrelevant to me. It's just not really yeah, I can just, I'll just look it up while it's, you're talking. Go ahead. It's not the larger problem is that we have so many people that are comfortable living at 50%. And I don't see it based on the mad power of the magic R. I don't see that changing anytime soon. And that doesn't excuse any bad vote that Ted Cruz may have made. Yeah. I mean, this is the problem is too many people comfortable um, living at 50% because too many of us are comfortable with them living at, at 50% uh, as well. That doesn't absolve anyone from uh, f- from doing the typical uh, conservative p- thing or Republican thing of uh, campaigning as a conservative and going to Washington and doing whatever the heck they want that's not conservative. That doesn't absolve any of that. That's just a fact that, I mean, um, we need Ted Cruz to be a voice in the uh, We went through that uh, before. It's one senator, one representative. They're nice. To, to maybe if they can get a soundbite and do what Chip Roy has done and piss off a bunch of people, that's nice. But ultimately, there's not a whole lot of power there. So here are, just since it was brought up, here are the latest Liberty scores as of right now. And we're only going to go with people that have been in office for more than a year because otherwise there's that's not much of a record, okay? So with people that have been in, in D.C. for more than a year, Mike Lee is number one at 96%. Rand Paul is number two at 90%. Ben Sass is and Rand Paul are tied at 90. Jim Rish of Idaho is next at 82. And then Ted Cruz. So what's that? He's fifth with 80. Um, you know, everybody loves, I know I, was, I know I said I was only going to go with people that have been there a year. Everybody loves Josh Holly. I've loved a lot of things that he has said, right? He's only at 78%. He's been there only a year. Um, well, that, that begs the question, though. What, what does it mean? To be conservative. That's what we, and that's why we spent the year 2017. Yeah. And that was the theme of the show. And so, what, what are we is, weighing what, and measuring now? What is it? Yeah. Right. Steve Daines is next. He's with Montana's. He's at 74 percent. Tom Cotton, that is getting that wants to run for president in 2024, and a lot of people see as a hardcore right winger out of Arkansas. He has a 72 percent Liberty score right now. Tim Scott, South Carolina, you know that really moderate state. Um, he's at he's at 71 percent. And that's it. That's why be- those are the only senators with, with that are C or higher. James Langford, Oklahoma. Rick Scott, Florida. Pat Toomey, Pennsylvania. Marco Rubio's current Liberty score is sixty four percent. All right. Um, John Kennedy, the Mike Leach of the U.S. Senate from Louisiana, sixty three percent. Ron Johnson, remember he was your big Tea Party warrior up there in your home state of Wisconsin. <laughs> He's at sixty two percent right now. All right. Joni Ertz from our home state of Iowa, Aaron, 60% Liberty score. Charles Grassley, 58% from here in Iowa. Mitt Romney, 
is already at 56%. He's only been there a year. Richard Shelby from the deep blue state of Alabama, 56%. See, he's I, I got mean, degrees. Jerry yeah. Moran, Kansas, 53%. Bill Cassidy, the other Louisiana senator, 50%. Corey Gardner, Oklahoma, or, I mean Colorado, 47%. I, I mean, Roy Blunt, Deep Red, Missouri, 38%. Tom Tillis, North Carolina, 38%. Roger Wicker, Deep Red, Mississippi, 38%. Richard Burr, North Carolina, 37%. I, 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 Cindy Hyde-Smith, Deep Red, Mississippi, 35%. I, I'm going to... It's Friday. I, I need Do you to, want me to play I, that Ricky Gervais clip again? I may, uh, yeah, yeah I, I, may, I may need another. I mean, Ricky may be the new Cambodian smoking toddler around here. I, I just, when I can't even anymore. I, like, I didn't make you look it up. You're like, oh, I'm right here. Let me look it up. And there now you're rethinking that. Yeah, not so much. Yeah, that was a bad idea. Todd. <laughs> that was a bad idea. Um, Patrick Hawkins in Egan, Minnesota. Last one. I just listened to an appearance by Mike Murphy, Republican strategist on the Adam Carolla show. Halfway through, he stated, I'm a conservative, yet he never made a conservative statement throughout. Chuck Schumer would have given the exact same interview. How can conservatism survive with these sorts out there in front of diverse audiences? That's the point that we were just making, Patrick. That's why I shared your note. You know, um, Mike Murphy, I've, you know, I've followed his career for years. He's never been a conservative, ever. Never. Just never has been. And it goes in line with a lot of the Liberty scores that you're looking at. And for those of you that get really mad when Shannon comes on here, and I, I, you know, I get some of it. I don't agree with her all the time, but I'm, I'm not going to chastise her for in my, if, because my, my one criticism would be, I think she goes too far with really what the meta truth is around here. You see what, see what I'm saying? Oh yeah. Yeah. I mean like, you know, um, when I think she's wrong, it's really it's because I, I have a different application from the exact same Q source that she's starting from. And when you look at those Liberty scores, how can you not? There's certainly more evidence for the way she thinks than for the way the average Fox News viewer thinks, don't you think? When you look at the actual evidence, Doc. Oh, yeah. And when it comes to our model this year, not that she had nothing to do with it, but hashtag assume, assume you're being, being lied, lied to. to. She's, oh, she's part of that tribe. Any final thoughts here, gentlemen? We got about uh, two minutes left. What do you think, Aaron? What'd you learn today? Um, well, it was it was uh, a good thing that this week began with Ricky Gervais because the rest of the week wasn't just dumb; it was treacherous from the media. And as as uh, as we've stated multiple times, and I made a, a brief allusion to this during the during the montage yesterday, you know, there's, there's no point. And I think a lot of our, our conservative media brethren are kind of catching up to this or catching on to this, I should say. What is the point of fact-checking of fact-checking CNN? That's like Snopes fact-checking the Babylon Bee, just in a different, uh, just in a different way. <laughs> right. There's, there's no point in doing it. But I thought this week was plumbing new depths. There's, there's nothing, um, we've, we've said this over and over again, um, you, you can't you can't live you can't share a country with people who don't even who don't even agree what a terrorist is mm. you can't do that i mean i'm i don't know i there's no silver bullet here there's no retort there's no argument that you can't share a country with people like that and that was illustrated and in, in pretty 
striking fashion over and over again, double and triple, quadruple down over and over this week by the media. And that was probably the most striking thing this week because we keep getting these, we keep getting these indications. Yes, it is that bad. Yes, it is that bad. But then when it gets worse, it's still, it, it still really hits you. And that's, I think that's kind of the main thing. Last week, Anderson Cooper was on the air wondering who's got the biggest schlong in Hollywood. Yep. And, and this week he's on the air letting you know that Salami over there in Iran is Charles de Gaulle. <laughs> well, Does that kind that of put way. it in perspective for you? Is that what you were trying to say, Aaron? Just a bit, yeah. Todd. Well, uh, to my fellow Catholics out there, live your life in such a way that this Pope wants to slap you. (laughs) (laughs) That's the best I got. That's my fortune cookie for you. (laughs) Oh, Oh, that's absolutely brilliant is what that is. Again, Friday, it's your day. It's my day. Friday's Todd's day. All right, we're going to stick around and do a little best and worst of the week for our subscribers here at Blaze TV for the rest of you. Have a great weekend. We'll see you on Monday. Until then, John 317. This is Steve Dace. On the Blaze Radio Network.